As a teenager, you were controlled and confined by what others demanded and expected of you. In your 20s, you were consumed by what others thought of you. In your 30s, you realized you were still conflicted by what you truly thought of yourself. But now, in your 40s and beyond, it's finally time to live fearlessly, fabulously, and fully you. Let's go. Hey sis, welcome to In the Middle with Myra, and I'm your host, Myra Rollins. Let's get this party started in here. Hey, ladies, what is going on? I know, I know it has been a while. It has been a couple of weeks since I put up a podcast, but I'm still on this side of the ground. I'm still kicking and I'm kicking high. All is good. All is well. But I just got overwhelmed with this stuff, with just life, nothing major, but um, we took a family vacation. Yes, we did it as best we could, quarantine, social distancing style, but we just had to get up out of these four walls, y'all. Um, so we made it back COVID free. Um, but then with just the kids school, one of my kids went back to school and, um, I didn't feel well for a couple of days, nothing COVID related. Stop that. Stop that. But just all of that just got me off of my podcasting game. So several of you reached out and was like, what's up? Where you at? (laughs) And I was like, you guys have refreshed my soul. It is a good thing, a great feeling to know that people miss you. They want what you are producing. They um, appreciate your consistency and your creativity. So thank you for all of you who reached out via email, via text, um, via messages on the actual Anchor app, all of that saying, what's up? (laughs) Thank you for nudging me and kicking me in my derriere. That's what we ladies in the middle do. We encourage each other and I appreciate you all's encouragement. So there has been so much going on. I am not even, even going to get on this whole election and counting votes and ballots because if I do, I could do a whole podcast about that. But I think there are enough voices sounding off about this whole matter without me chiming in. So I'll let you go to your CNN, MSNBC, or wherever you go for your news. I will not even open up that can of wiggly worms. But what we are talking about today is what we were supposed to be talking about in October, but because I got off track and what had happened was (laughs) because we didn't finish talking about things that we are afraid of in October, we're just going to continue it throughout November. And I'm so pumped up about next week. Y'all come back now, you hear? Because next week I am talking to our resident counselor, um, Shandria Riddick, and she is going to speak with us about anxiety. Y'all, because it is real. It is a real thing that so many people people face, but we're going to speak to specifically women in the middle, how anxiety affects us, why it affects us at such large numbers and how we can handle it and what we need to do. So make sure to come back next Monday. And that is Monday the 16th um, for that discussion. I'm so excited about that. Um, And just, this is just random. Like I have so much to say to y'all because it's been so long, but as we continue to talk about things that we're afraid of, y'all, 
I, this, this Thursday will be married 14 years. And that is freaking me out. I am not sure where these years are going. Like I look up at the 26 year old girl that got married 14 years ago. And I'm like, what has happened to her? Where did she go? How am I an old married lady? However, even though that's freaking me out, I am so blessed and so excited. So hopefully next week I will come back with a whole bunch of information on how my baby daddy wowed and amazed me for my 14th anniversary. <laughs> I'm setting myself up for the okie doke because if he don't, then I'm gonna have to lie to y'all. <laughs> No, I'm going to keep it real, but we normally do something special for our anniversary. So I'm sure it'll be low key COVID celebration, but I'm excited about it. So, um, but today what we're talking about is more things that we're afraid of. And so many of us, no matter how independent, no matter how grown adults, our own mortgages, paying bills, doing it big. One thing that a lot of us are still afraid of is conflict. Yep. Yes, sis, sis. I know. I know you big. I know you bad, but I'm talking to your cousin. <laughs> I'm talking to your friend. There are many women who are still anxious, um, afraid unsure of how to handle conflict. And I'm speaking of all levels of conflict from the person who skips you in line at the grocery store. It's like, that ain't right. And I want to say something to her, but I don't really know how to address it. I'm afraid to address it all the way to the issues with your mom about things that she has wronged you for in your life or with your husband. Just how do I handle conflict with strangers, with people I love, um, with people at work? Many of us have a fear, and if not fear, just some, I don't know, hesitation when it comes to handling conflict. So today, I'm going to break it down for you on how you can better and best handle conflict. And so I think about some of the times I've had to handle conflict. (laughs) Y'all, I used to be so afraid. I can't remember being at the beauty shop when I was still getting relaxers, not wanting to tell my beautician. Back then they were beauticians. Now they stylist. But I didn't want to tell my beautician that the perm was burning. So I would sit there, y'all know, shaking my leg and shaking my leg. Like, I'm sure she's going to get it off in a minute. I'm sure at any moment she's going to take it off. But I don't know if I was too embarrassed or I didn't want to offend her. I didn't want to handle the conflict of telling the lady that she was burning the flesh off of my scalp. Crazy, right? Um, I can also remember when I was younger. My mom would tell me, hey, go back in there and tell them they forgot the ketchup in our bag or they forgot the French fries. And back then, y'all, I didn't even want to do those kind of things. And then it progressed in my life that many times there would be someone. um, I remember I was an RA, a resident assistant on my college campus, and it was my job to make sure that the people on my floor that lived in my dorms, they stayed engaged with campus life and activity. But it was also my job to make sure that they followed the rules. And I, my residents loved me because I was cool. I was approachable. They could come and confide in me, but they also loved me because they knew that Myra going to just let us make it. 
they could be all up on my floor, like sliding in soap sub bubbles all the way across the floor. And I would be like, y'all just, y'all know, just, just make sure, you know, I'm like, it's my job to tell y'all to don't tear down this place. But I had a hard time telling them to not tear down the place. (laughs) So those are just some of my issues with conflict resolution, but I have since gotten tons and tons better, not great, but better. And so I'm going to share with you some things that I've worked through and I would be lying if I said mastered, but improved on when it comes to my conflict resolution. So the first thing I want to do is just talk about some words. When you hear the word conflict, what are some words that come up? Like when someone says conflict, some of y'all already start to sweat. Your underarms and pits start to perspire. But when you think of conflict, most of you all think about arguing, battle, fight, disagreement, anger, screaming, war, unsettled, strife. All of those, what I would call negative words, come to many of you all's minds when you think about the word conflict. Well, I want you to table that thought. Keep it right there. So I'm getting ready to talk about some things that may not be very glamorous or ladylike. You ready? What if I said the word burp? Just kind of gross, right? Like burping is gross. But if I smell your burp, that's a whole nother other thing. Just disrespectful. Just gross. Or what if I said the word sweat? You just think about somebody that's just musty and just not clean. And what if they like give you a hug? You see somebody at the gym and they say, hey, I haven't seen you in a long time. And they go to hug you. And they just came out of a like a, what's that, a spin class? You just like, no, ma'am. No, that is gross, nasty. Or here's a big one, y'all. What if I said, get ready for it. Put your big girl panties on. What if I said fart? (laughs) I hate that word. Just pooped past gas. Like gross, right? They seem negative. But when you really break down what they are, they're not so negative. Burping is releasing air from your stomach that otherwise would cause severe cramps. Sweating is perspiring and it's this, yes, clear, salty liquid, but that nasty, clear, salty liquid um, helps our body in what we call thermoregulation, right? Maintaining your internal body temperature. Sweat helps us do that. And then if I said fart (laughs) or flatulence, right? That is when we swallow too much air or when our body starts to break down food, we get gas in our digestive system. So that gas has to be expelled. So yes, it's nasty, but y'all, it is also necessary. And so I want you to think about those things, burping, sweat, and flatulence. I want you to think of conflict in the same way that, yes, sometimes it can be messy. Sometimes it can be difficult and hard. But at the end of the day, it is necessary. So now when you think about conflict, instead of thinking of those other words like arguing and battle and fighting. No, 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 no. They're necessary. And they're natural even. So we're going to think of conflict 
and not negative words, but a completely different context. Here are some words that I want you to think of when you think about conflict. Communication, helpful, healthy, mature, good, productive, positive, and natural and necessary. So I want y'all to stop right now. Those of you who struggle with conflict and conflict resolution, and it just gives you anxiety, I want you to say that conflict is natural and necessary. I mean, think about like if you're in a busy, busy room, like you're at the Essence Festival or you're at the inauguration, whatever. It's a lot of people. And it is going to be inevitable and unavoidable that you're going to bump up against people because you're sharing space with those people. So the same thing when it comes to conflict, you are sharing space, whether it be your house, your office, um, your, your family, your ideas, whatever, you're sharing things with other people. And so conflict at some point is going to be unavoidable, but also necessary. Okay. So the first thing in any conflict, y'all, is the catalyst. And this is what I call the pop-off. Something happens to cause a conflict. That could be somebody stepped on your new sneakers, your new heels. Um, Somebody cut you off in traffic. Somebody um, took your food out of the refrigerator at work. Or um, someone said something to you in a way that you thought was rude. So there are going to be conflicts. I could go on and on and on listing natural conflicts. Some of them major, some of them minor. Okay. So there is always going to be a catalyst, a pop-off, a jump-off. So the first question, here we go. We're breaking down these steps, y'all. The first step in successful conflict resolution is asking yourself, should this even be addressed. Yeah. Let me give you the best visual I can think of. So y'all know the little whack-a-mole game at when we were coming up, it wasn't called Chuck E. Cheese. It was showbiz. So let's just go back to all my ladies in the middle. We're going to say it's called a showbiz. And that game where you held that big club in your hand and then these little monsters would pop up out of these holes and it was your job to whack every single one of them as fast as you can, as hard as you can. And you you got more points for however many of those things you could just whack. And I want you to think y'all that that is life. Those little monsters coming out of those holes are life's conflicts. And if you go through life hitting every single conflict and addressing every single time someone says something to you slightly off balance, every time someone cuts you off in traffic, every time your boss sends you an email that you don't like how she put it in all caps, every single time that someone does something to you that you don't like, if you address it every single time, you will be mentally and physically exhausted. You will be living a real life whack-a-mole game. And don't nobody got time, y'all, to be addressing every single conflict in life. So the first, first key to successful conflict resolution is asking yourself, should this even be addressed? And what I want you to think of is you have to pick your battles. 
There will be battles and conflicts all the time, but it is up to you to say, is this one worthy of my time, energy, and effort? And y'all, we are in the middle. And maturity says that we can look at situations without reacting. Remember in a, in a previous podcast, we talked about responding and reacting. So you look at a situation and someone does something to you. It's a conflict. And you say, you know what? This situation is not worth my time, energy, or effort. So I'm going to push on. You also have to ask yourself after asking yourself, telling yourself to pick your battles. The second thing you do is you say, what will it prove or benefit? Like if you're doing something just for principle, okay, nobody's talking to me. If it's just for principle, y'all push on it. But it's, but if it is purposeful, then maybe address it. Then the third question you ask yourself before addressing the conflict is, will it distract from a more important issue? Oftentimes, conflicts happen, I would say, let's just tier them, tier one, two, and three. So let's just say you work on working on a big project and it isn't going well. And you and your team are handling this big conflict at work. That's a level three. But one of your coworkers in the midst of one of your brainstorming sessions cuts you off. That's a conflict. Should she have cut you off? No. But you're in the midst of handling a tier three conflict. And you handling this tier one conflict would distract from the tier three. So it is up to us as mature women in the middle to say, you know what? Would me handling this conflict distract from a bigger issue? So once there's a, once there's a catalyst, a pop-off, you first ask yourself, should this issue even be addressed? And if the answer is no, you keep it pushing. I'm going to teach you a phrase that's going to free you up. Here you go. You ready? I'm going to let her make it. Mm. (laughs) We need to get that deeper into our souls and our spirit because so many of us don't, don't have that spirit in us. We have that whack-a-mole spirit, but y'all need to get y'all some, I'm going to let her make it spirit. Now I'm not saying let people walk all over you. I'm not saying be afraid and avoid conflict at all costs, but I'm saying after you have said, I'm going to pick my battles, this will not prove or benefit much or anything. And this will distract from a bigger issue. Once you've went through those questions, you just need to say, I'm going to let them make it. Okay, everybody practice that with me. Y'all ready? I'm going to or gonna, I say gonna let her or him or them make it. One more time. I'm gonna let him make it. And when you say that, you leave it there. You don't keep thinking about it. You don't keep talking about, oh, I feel like a punk. I should have. I could have. I would have. Yeah, you could have. But I was talking to a friend the other day and she was like, live it. Because someone had come at her all wrong. It was disrespectful. It wasn't kind. It wasn't mature. It wasn't any of that. But because my friend weighed the consequences of responding, um, she decided to let her make it. But after she let her make it, it was eating her up. 
And she called me like, I'm gonna need you to talk me off the ledge because I'm about to turn this car around and go handle it. And I was like, no, once you let somebody make it and maturity has made that decision, not fear, not avoidance, but when you have made that decision out of maturity, you leave it there. You don't keep mulling around in your head what I could have done. Oh, she must think. No, 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 no. You say, I'm going to let her make it and I'm moving on. You leave it there. Okay. But if you ask yourself, should this issue be addressed? And your answer is yes. Then the next question you ask yourself is, am I the person to address this issue? So let's break that down a little bit further. So there's four people that you can be in conflict with, conflict with, and you handle them all differently. And sometimes you may not be the person to handle that conflict. So here are the four types of people you can be in conflict with. A stranger, someone at your same level, a subordinate or a superior. Here we go one more time. Stranger, same level, subordinate, superior. So let's talk about strangers. Y'all people out here, crazy. That's what I want you to know. You don't know who got a gun. You don't know who is ghetto and will cuss you out, who will fight. You don't know who know who. Like you just don't know who you are dealing with when you encounter a stranger. As foolish as you think you may be, somebody else is just as much of a fool or more. As as tough as you may think you are and how good you may think you can squab and fight, somebody out there can fight better than you. <laughs> so you just never know who you are dealing with. Some people have less to lose than you. And so when you engage a stranger, you have to consider the worst end of that spectrum. So you handle it in such a way that has considered all the options. I think of like handling a stranger is like if you are um, those movies where I think Kevin Hart was the last um, person I saw have this scene in the movie. He was all talking big and bad to this dude sitting down at a table at a bar and talking about what he's going to do to him, what he would do, he don't know. And then all of a sudden, this guy scoots back from the table. And of course, the chair makes this loud screeching sound. And this tall, husky, huge guy towers over Chris Tucker. And he says, what you say? So when you handling a stranger... I want you all to think about that end of the possibility of the spectrum. And so I'm not saying not handle conflict with the lady at the grocery store or the person in traffic. But what I'm saying is you may or may not be the person. Is there someone that you need to report it to? Is there a letter to write? And I'm not saying out here being no Karen. I'm not encouraging you to be a Karen. But oftentimes with strangers, you handle it differently. Um, So you handle it. Lower level, calmer, or you may punt that to someone else, whether it be a manager or someone else who is more appropriate to handle that situation. 
So the second person, the second level of a conflict that you um, of a person that you may be in conflict with is same level. And this same level conflict requires the most maturity because in this level of conflict, the only thing that governs the rules of this conflict is you and that other person. There are no rules, guidelines, restrictions, consequences. So the only thing that governs this level of conflict is you and your own internal maturity level. So let me give you an example of the same level, like you and your siblings, now that you all are adults, when you guys have conflict, like mama not around and she not whooping people no more. So it's you and her, no one's um, above the other person. And so how you engage with your siblings, same level. Or if you have a coworker that you all have the same position, no one's higher or lower in position than the other person, how you all handle that Conflict is governed by your own maturity level. Um, so in same level, it takes lots of maturity to handle and to move and navigate this particular relationship um, in, a, in, a, in a mature fashion. So um, the third level is subordinate. Now, this is someone who is under you. And so this is where you will see um, whether it be your children and we don't think about that often, but we have conflict with our children and we are responsible for acting mature with them as well. They deserve that. So another relationship of subordinate would be if you are on a job and you have people that work under you on your team um, or issues or any other relationship where for whatever reason you are a level or some level, quote unquote, above the other person who you are in conflict with. And so again, um, at this level, it indeed takes a good deal of maturity to handle power well. Y'all, we lose our minds when we get a little bit of authority. Y'all know we talk about flashlight cops, right? <laughs> but we can't be on them too bad because we have flashlight cop syndrome as well that whenever we get a little tighter y'all remember when we used to take names in class when a teacher used to leave the class and she was like who's taking names and our hands would pop up because there was something about having a little bit of power that makes us lose our minds and so when we handle conflict when we are in the level of being um, superior versus subordinate. Those are the last two categories. We have to be very mindful of how we do that because when you are in the category of superior, then you have to exercise authority in such a way that is mature, respectful to the other person and giving them dignity, but also letting them know what their responsibility is in that situation. But then there's also a level where it may be switched and you might be in the role of subordinate where someone may be over you and you have to do what you call manage up. And that's a difficult position to be in. Oftentimes this relationship is seen when we are the child and we are in conflict with our parents, that's a difficult one to navigate. Um, so 
remember, this all goes back to the question of, am I the person to handle this issue? So let's just say you are in the stranger role. We say, you know what? We might get someone else involved, a store manager or um, a police. And I'm so scared to say that because y'all going to be like, y'all not going to have me out here being a Karen. But consider if you are the person to handle that, then there's the same level. Am I the person to handle this? Um, do I need to go um, collaborate with my mother because I'm having conflict with my sister? Would that be the better option? Um, we always want to handle this same level conflict at the lowest level possible. Actually, any conflict you want to handle at the lowest level possible. That means not going up the chain unless it's warranted. Like, Y'all know what I mean by this. Go talk to your coworker. Don't put her on blast with 50 other people. That's not handling conflict at the lowest level. So um, another time you ask yourself, am I the person to handle this? Like if it's a superior that you are in conflict with, do you go to that boss? And if they don't handle the conflict, who's the next person up in the chain? So you're always asking yourself with these four categories of people, stranger, same level, subordinate, superior. Your question is, am I the person to address this? And if the answer is no, then you need to uh, report it to the most appropriate person. The most appropriate person, not everybody on the team, not gossiping, not spreading, like to the most appropriate person. Okay. So but if you are the person that needs to handle this, then the next question you ask yourself is, is this the most appropriate time to handle this conflict? Because oftentimes there is something called several things there. Are, you've heard of the crowd effect, right? The crowd effect means that if there are people around me, I will likely act in a way different than what I would have acted when people weren't around. So it's called the crowd effect, but I call it the hype man effect. Let me give you a quick story. So I'm sitting at the counter. This is about five years ago with both of my younger children. At this time, they were probably like three and six. And my daughter, God bless her soul, has always had a little sass and a little edge. And, um, they were eating their food and drinking, but they were drinking so much more than they were eating. I told them, hey, go ahead and pause on the drink, push your drinks away and eat your food. And so they were supposed to be eating and I come back around the corner and my daughter was drinking again and not eating. So I moved her drink away again and I said, Danielle, don't touch that drink anymore. And at three, y'all, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not kidding. This little chick looked me dead in my eye and slowly reaches her finger and touches the cup. Y'all, she was like, challenge right now, right here, challenge. And so as soon as she did that, my son was like, oh, and he looked at me like, you going to let her do that? And I said, Danielle. I'm giving you one more chance to follow directions. Don't touch. And so I had to get louder because my son was looking at me, right? So I got up in Danielle's face and I'm feeling all like I got to prove myself. And I said, don't 
touch it again. And then Uriah was like, mm -hmm, looking at Danielle. So Danielle felt like, okay, I can't be embarrassed in front of Uriah. So she, again, at three, I kid you not, got her finger and touched the cup again. And Uriah went bananas. He was like, oh. And so he looked at me like, what you gonna do? And y'all, I kid you not, I like grabbed Danielle from her chair. And I look back at Uriah as I'm going to the room to give her a little spanking. I look back at him, this six-year-old, like, I got it. I'm a get her. Because what? Uriah had hyped me up in that crowd effect. And so you ask yourself, is this the time to handle it? Because if you are around people, you will likely play to the pride that you feel making sure that you save face in front of those people. So if you are around other people beyond who you are directly handling conflict with, you might want to say, this isn't the time. Okay. Another thing you, so that's an audience. If you have an audience, it might not be the time to handle it. The second thing that you want to think about when it comes to answering, is this the time you want to talk about urgency? Is it important that I do it right now? Like if my son is darting across the street after a ball, then it's urgent. I'm handling that conflict right then, right there. Excuse my timer. Um, but if it's not urgent, let me, you know what? Take a breath. Give me time to think about my approach. Give me time to let emotions calm down. Because oftentimes if we handle things in the moment, we don't handle things with maturity. Sometimes handling things in the moment are, is not always conducive to handling things with maturity. So as you navigate conflict, you're asking yourself, is this the time based on urgency, audience, and the last thing is atmosphere? Like I spoke earlier that it's my husband and I anniversary coming up this week. What I'm not going to do is when we're sitting down over candlelights and steak dinner and all dressed up, dolled up, I'm not going to say, you know what, Eric, last week, there's something that I just really been wanting to talk to you about and you hurt my feelings. That is not the atmosphere. I'm changing the atmosphere of this romantic, beautiful date. So you always have to ask yourself, is this the atmosphere to address this? Y'all, Thanksgiving's coming up. When you invite your cousins and them over there, that ain't the time to talk about conflict. Always ask yourself, is this the time to address this conflict based off of audience, urgency, and atmosphere? And if the answer is no, what you want to do is to schedule a time to discuss the issue with the person. Examples of scheduling is, hey boo, do you mind if we talk this evening about something um, or calling your mom. Hey mom, I'm gonna come over on Sunday and just kind of wanna get a couple of things off my chest and wondering if we can have some time to talk. Like you let the person know that you wanna talk with them about something and you are allowing yourself and that person time to emotionally prepare yourself for the conversation, okay? But if you say, yes, this is the time to handle this conflict, I've thought about urgency, audience, and atmosphere. I've thought about all the levels of um, types of people that I might be in conflict with, strangers, same level. And I've decided that, yes, I am the person to address this. I've also decided that, yes, this is an issue worth addressing. Now, here 
are the steps to successful conflict resolution. Number one, mentally role play. I know that sounds corny. I know that sounds cheesy, but yes, think through the conversation in your head, prepare yourself for their responses, allow yourself to actually walk through this conversation in your head. As corny as that may seem, I promise you, it will help you to come up with responses, um, possibilities that will make the conversation go much more smooth, smoother, smoothly, smoothly, smoothly. There we go. Number two. So after you mentally role play, you're going to ask permission. Like, Give the person warning. Hey, is it okay if? Can we have a conversation about? When is it a good time for you? Okay. And then after you ask permission, then you give a warning statement. The warning statement is not, I ain't going back and forth. No, no, no. Not like that. <laughs> the warning statement isn't like, you need to get ready because me. No, it is a warning statement to say, this might be a difficult conversation. This is something that I've really been wanting to talk about for a while. Um, can we make sure to have at least 10 to 15 minutes, maybe 30? Like giving them a quick analysis, synopsis of what you need from them in that moment. Number four, you want to have a mentality of I am not competing, but I am partnering with this person. Did y'all hear that? I am not competing, but I am partnering with this person to try to bring about resolution to this situation. That is so important. And I could go into details and break this down, but I think you all can hear the heart of this, of that statement. Part of successful com conflict resolution is having a spirit of not competition, but of partnership. Number five, you need to be clear, concise, and thorough. Oftentimes, especially as females, we can get so caught up in the feelings that we don't get down to the facts. When you are trying to resolve conflict, it needs to be clear, concise, and thorough. Number six, here's an important one, y'all. We want to address conflict head on but not head up. What's the difference? Head, head on is like I am coming in attack mode. I'm going to squash this now versus head up is saying, you know what? I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm not going to shuck and jive. I'm going to be clear in my expectations, clear on how it offended me, clear on what I want. So we address conflict head on, not head up. Number seven, you need to set expectations of the conversation. That's really important. And statements that set expectations are, you know, this might be a difficult conversation, but what I am expecting from you is that you stay calm and that we don't yell at one another like we often do. Um, my expectation of this conversation is that it, you know, you at least give me 10 minutes. Oftentimes when we talk, you often leave a conversation. So set up some basic expectations of the conversation from them. Number eight, be able to clearly state what you need. Y'all, sometimes we offend it and we want something from people and they can flat out ask us, what do you need from me? And we like, I don't really know. Know what you want. No matter how slight the conflict is to no matter how large, 
Know what you want from the resolution. If you're at a store, I want my money back. I want to store credit. Like know what you want all the way to family drama. Like I need you to apologize for the years of hurt. The da, 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 da. I need you to not interact with me that way in front of our children anymore. What do you want? And be able to clearly articulate that. Number nine, use more facts than feelings. It is very easy to do to debate someone's feelings or pers pers I'm trying to say how they view the situation perspective there we go you can go back and forth with me about how I feel and how I saw it but what you can't debate is the facts okay so in successful conflict resolution it is incumbent upon you to use more facts than feelings and the last one this takes maturity is to also address their needs. Oftentimes, even if it's a 50, 50, 60, 40, 70, 80, 90, 10 split, there is something that you have done most, most of the times to offend another person that you're in conflict with. And so make sure to be mature enough to ask them, what do you need from me? How could I have made this different? Okay, so the 10 steps here they go to successful conflict resolution are to mentally role play, ask permission, give warning statements, don't compete, but partner, be clear, concise and thorough, address issues head on and not head up, set expectations of the conversation, be able to clearly say what you need, use more facts than feelings and address their specific need. Ladies, this podcast has been a little bit longer, but since I've been away for two weeks, I thought y'all could handle it. Um, we are grown behind women. <laughs> we are ladies in the middle and we need to be able to address conflict. We can no longer fear it. Um, and even if we do fear conflict, we need to be able to address it. There are several ways to address conflict. We can either avoid it that ain't good. Or we can either attack and just inappropriately handle it, or we can appropriately handle it. We don't want to avoid or attack, but we want to appropriately handle conflict. Ladies, thank you for joining me again in the middle. And as we always say, getting older with style and grace ain't easy, but somebody got to do it. Why not us? Why not you? Why not now? And choose to make it a good old great day. <laughs> it's been fun chatting with y'all. Enjoy it.